0: back how are we doing this is the unanimous decision podcast I am the man in your ears Adam Kaplan can we just take a second to breathe here Whew! UFC 250 are you kidding me wow what an event I think a couple of folks went in there didn't expect that to happen wow so let's get right to it we don't want to uh we don't want we don't want our viewers waiting okay first thing let's talk about it sugar Sean O'Malley versus Eddie Wineland, okay? Like we said, Sugar Sean was looking to use a lot of his footwork, circle the cage on the back foot, as we saw. Then he liked to switch stances. He liked to go from that orthodox stance to the southpaw stance, okay? And every time he switched to southpaw, you could see he was heavier on the front foot, and he would utilize that to push forward and kind of stop Eddie Wineland in his tracks with a feint or with a strike, okay? And for a little bit, it seemed as if he was, you know, getting backed up and pressed, and Eddie Wineland was pressing. But as the fight slowly started to unfold, yes, Eddie Wineland landed that clean right hand. But as the fight started to unfold more and and Sugar Sean got more comfortable with switching stances and landing off of those stance switchings, Eddie Wineland started to slow down his activity. Okay. And as that circling started to continue, as we spoke about, you know, you saw those single accurate strikes that O'Malley throws, okay? Whether they're from a distance on the straight left or the straight right. But for me, one of the most significant things was while he was circling, okay, he stopped right in his tracks and he hit him, bang, right to the liver with that spinning heel kick to the body, okay? And I think that that was a little bit more of the story of the night on how on the back foot, he is still able to land those strikes. The Teep... Or the push kick, as I said last uh, last show, wasn't really much in the arsenal this time. But that spinning heel kick. Uh, then he threw a high kick to the head. You know, started to see that he wanted to get a little bit fancy, and he really wanted to get a, he really wanted to get a shiny one on Eddie Wineland. And indeed, he did, because as the fight started to unfold, Sean O'Malley got Eddie Wineland moving in circles, and as they turned that corner, Sugar Sean let go of that right hand. Bang, out went Eddie Wineland, okay? First round KO, Sugar Sean O'Malley, congratulations. MMA lab product. Uh, looking forward to him fighting five rounds in the future. Looking forward to him perhaps fighting a grappler. I know they're going to give him more of the McGregor treatment. Oh, yeah, we know you know how to knock people out, but, you know, let's see you go five rounds. Let's see if you have the gas. Let's see if you could wrestle. Yeah, why not? Let's give it to him. The kid's confident. He's calm. He's cool. He's collected. You know, he talks shit when he needs to. And I find his uh, mentality in the ring suits his mentality out of the ring. He's flashy, but he picks his shots when he needs to. And that's why I think we all appreciate Sugar Sean O'Malley, especially with that 6'9 hairdo. Moving on, Al Jermaine, the Funk Master Sterling, the Saralongo King versus Corey Sanhagen. This on paper was supposed to be the biggest, uh, the biggest and baddest fight of the night. And uh, Aljamain Sterling just kind of fucking washed that down all the drain, washed that down all the drain. And he just he just pressed forward, uh, backed up Corey Sanhagen as fast as he can, uh, and essentially just got a hold of him, ripped him down to the ground, put him in that backpack position, used his legs as his arms, as he's repeatedly said in the past, to the media, and just put him in that backpack position, ripped his jaw and sunk in that rear naked choke in the first round. And that was exactly what Aljamain Sterling needed to do. He needed to kick the door open and say, I am here. And when he let go of that choke, he got up. He was screaming, where are you at, Dana? Where you at, Dana? He was super happy. He was super emotional, and he deserves it. Because when we look later into the night, and we saw what Cody Garbrandt did, Aljamain Sterling has a lot more to exhale now that he had a decisive and clean victory like that, okay? Because now he could calmly and coolly walk up to the winner of Jose Aldo and Peter Jan and challenge them for the UFC 135-pound bantamweight title. Corey Sandhagen's career just moves up from here. Those tough Denver fighters have suffered big losses before in their career, and they always bounce back and become uh, prominent and consistent contenders, Okay, I don't see Corey Sanhagen backing down from here at all. I'm looking for him to climb the the ranks right away, get right back into it. Okay, didn't get knocked out. It was just a rear naked choke. Getting choked out is not the same as getting knocked out. Okay, so he will be able to, to bounce back quickly, and I'm looking forward to Corey Sanhagen's career. And then we have no love. Cody Garbrand. wow, what a performance. This is what we spoke about. We spoke about, you know, working with Mark Henry to develop that patience, to develop setups, developing developing just more of a well-versed boxing game other than just purely striking. Okay, using your footwork and your head movements and your feints to kind of keep your opponent guessing just as much as you actually throwing the punches and leaving yourself in a vulnerable position. Okay, Cody Garbrandt utilizes kicks very well. As a sunsao had to switch stances, he just kept switching between hitting a sunsao's lower calf or hitting a sunsao to the body, and that proved as the fight went on to be an issue. And that's why in the second round, as both of them intercepted each other with a kick, okay, a sunsao didn't really know how to react after Cody. Cody got a. a Cody slipped down. He threw a slow hook of Sun Tso, thinking that the round was going to be done. And bang, Cody took advantage of it. Hit him at the buzzer. One hitter quitter. Mr. No Love dropping that fucking hand grenade. Wow. Rafael of Sun Tso is no slouch. You saw in that fight how cool and calculated he is. He didn't chase Cody Garbrandt. He didn't try to bring the dog out of Cody Garbrandt. He fought his fight. And it just proved that the patience and the improvements and just the ability to kind of take a step back and analyze what's actually happening in front of him proved correctly for Cody Garbrandt. He looked like a completely different fighter in there. There were plenty of moments where we thought, oh yeah, Cody's going to jump, and he did it. Stayed calm, cool, and collected, and might I compliment the cornering of Mark Henry between the first and the second round. Phenomenal, phenomenal cornering. Phenomenal cornering. And you'll see later in the night, if you listen to Felicia Spencer's cornering, not that chill. Not good at all. Not efficient. So I just want to congratulate the team of Mark Henry and and, and Cody Garbrandt on that second round buzzer beater knockout with the big right hand. That's exactly what they brought No Love in there for. They said, you want to come back? You want to climb back to the top? Here you go, baby. You deserve it. Co-main event slot against a 10-year vet in Rafael's Sun but you got to show us. You got to show us. And that he did. And then we have our main event. Didn't really, you know, wasn't uh, to some, it turned out exactly the way they thought it would. And to others who were a little bit more uh, confident in Felicia Spencer, uh, it was a complete write off. When the going got, it gets tougher, Felicia Spencer, she just seems to stay at the end of her opponent's punches, which is the worst place to be. Because your opponent doesn't have to really move too much to be able to connect. And I just think that Felicia Spencer, lack of lack of urgency to try to get something to happen uh, was kind of the beginning of her downfall from the get-go. And, I, you know, I, I would say within the first round, you would say, okay, like her lack of being able to generate was an issue. But as the fight went on, it was very clear that they did not belong in the octagon together. Amanda Nunez is world-class. She has just entered legend status. Felicia Spencer did not deserve to be in there, and it was a shallow division. That is why she was there, okay? Um, it's unfortunate, but she stayed She stayed at the end of, of Amanda Nunez's punches. Amanda Nunez showed how prominent her kickboxing and her Muay Thai was, and then just to show off more of her skill set, she started ragdolling Felicia Spencer in the wrestling and jiu-jitsu departments, you know, passing her guard, beating her up on the ground, throwing her down to the floor, picking her back up, beating her up on the feet. It was just an all around uh, slobber knocker, really. You know, it was just a shit. It was just a shit show. So w- most of the Twitter world wanted to see the um, wanted to see the fight stopped at about the third or fourth round, especially as the eyes started to swell, and then she got that massive hematoma between the eyes. So listen. You can't take anything away from Felicia Spencer. She's an animal. She's a beauty. But uh, Amanda Nunes is legend status. And the only thing that Amanda Nunes really has to stick around for is that super fight with a little somebody named Clarissa Shields. Okay. If you don't know Clarissa Shields, she's a multiple, multiple time women's professional boxing champion. And she's also an Olympic gold medalist. She's a world-class athlete, and there are not many people in the world that are around that weight class that could fuck with girls like Clarissa Shields and Amanda Nunes. Okay, so if McGregor could do it, if James Toney could do it, I know a talented, hungry, young, and ready-to-go individual in Clarissa Shields would like to test her luck in the UFC against the UFC bantamweight and featherweight champion of the world, Amanda Nunes. Congratulations to all the fighters and their performances. I'm looking forward to really what the UFC has in store more for us. We're going to get more news on Fight Island. Uh, There's rumors that Fight Island is not, not actually an island and it's going to take place in Abu Dhabi. So you can imagine that the fighters that are going to be on this card are going to have an experience of a lifetime already more of an experience than they're um, experiencing in Vegas or they were in Jacksonville, Florida uh, during the COVID era. Okay, guys. So that's us for today for the recap of UFC 250. Thanks for popping back in today. We're going to be back in action with more news for you and uh, stay tuned. This is Adam Kaplan with the unanimous decision. Thanks for tuning in.